0: Hi, I'm Grant Speed, and this is the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's leading provider of interim management services. Public sector funding cuts across local authorities and the NHS are often a prime target for the media and the press. Less attention, however, is given to the impact of those cuts on the independent health sector, an integral part of the UK's healthcare services. Today, I'm joined by Dan Kiley. He's a consultant in Odgers Interim's independent healthcare practice, and he's going to discuss what these cuts mean for independent healthcare providers and how the sector is changing as a result. Dan's been here for the past seven years and working with independent hospital groups and care home providers, including names such as Virgin Care, Barchester and Nuffield Health. Dan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. My first podcast. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Good. Good first question I've got is, is actually around independent hospital groups and independent social care businesses. So they're two very distinct areas that are facing similar challenges.
1: And I'd really like to understand what those
0: challenges are.
1: Sure. Um, I think it's important to kind of give you a bit of context about where these businesses get most of their, their funding from, you know, where their, their revenue tends to come from. Um, in the case of independent hospitals, you know, because of the, I suppose, ubiquity of the NHS, it, it's not the massive sector that it is, perhaps in the US, where they have a huge amount of, of privatised healthcare. You know, we've got probably five hospital groups in this country, which between them share sort of 80, 85% of the market. Um, historically, they've got a lot of their work from the NHS, however, you know, those uh, elective surgeries that are fairly easy to do privately, so shoulders, hips, knees, all of that sort of stuff. The NHS has been able to keep its waiting list down by utilising the capacity in the private sector. The problem is, at the moment, with the NHS struggling for, for funding and, and you know with, with budgets being constrained, they're just sort of deciding, I suppose, to, to let those waiting lists grow instead. They're opting not to use the private providers. Therefore, those providers that have geared a lot of their operations towards that NHS work suddenly seen their you know their their main revenue stream drying up. Um, similar but different situation in the in the care home space, where the vast majority of the um, revenue for sort of state funding comes from local authorities. Uh, you know, if you require a care home place and uh, you have assets worth less than 23,000 pounds, you're eligible for state funding. Um, in spite of that, I think it's 95% of, of care home places in the country are provided by the private sector. So these businesses you know, receive a, a weekly fee uh, in order to, to you know, in exchange for taking on a, a specific resident in exchange they have to provide you know, food, a safe place to live, good quality of care etc etc. With social care sort of in crisis, you know the way that it now is. Uh, these businesses are really struggling. You know that the local authorities just aren't paying the fees. Uh, fixed costs, living wage, for instance, pension contributions, food costs, rent, etc., are all going up, and the fees just aren't going up with them.
0: I want to bring you back at the specifically at the in, independent hospital sector now, if I may, and 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 I'm I'm wondering what they're actually doing to overcome the drop-off in the NHS referral work?
1: Well, I mean, the, the benefit of the... I say benefit, but the, the perceived benefit of waiting lists being a lot higher than they were is that, theoretically at least, a market opens up for private work, you know, for private pay uh, surgery. So, the, you know, the idea being that if you're somebody of reasonable means, perhaps, you know, a bit older, older age or getting towards retirement age or whatever... You know, you have the means to fund your own surgery rather than sitting on a NHS waiting list for twelve months needing a new hip. Then you know you may wish to do so. The problem is that that's a relatively limited market, mm. and now all of those main hospital providers are chasing that private revenue. Everybody's trying to gear their business towards you know chasing the, the self pay market, but there's a limit to it. You know, there are going to be there are going to be winners and losers in that. I think. So, so what are the key changes in this sector? Though? Well, I think you know doing the, the, the story of the last few years has been trying to do more for less. You know that classic sort of business transformation type sure. thing. You cut costs out of the centre. You try and become more efficient, etc., etc. You know that only works to a point, point. Um, and that's why we're seeing such a you know widespread uh, crisis across, particularly the social care businesses. But you know it's it's not all bad news. There are growth areas in the sector, and and you know perhaps predictably. We're starting to see private equity um, cottoning on to some of those growth areas where you have enormously sort of unconsolidated markets you know they're coming in with a buy and build strategy i'm thinking of sort of vets when i when i talk about this thinking of dentists where you've got an awful lot of sort of single site owner operated operators for, once sure. for the country um PE are coming in, buying up hundreds of them in one go. The idea being that actually, if we can centralise all of the back office functions, finance, HR, etc., you know, we can we can realise some real cost savings there. the The benefits of particularly vets and dentistry is that for the most part they're privately funded. You know, you do right. get you do get NHS dentistry, of course, but the vast majority of, of vets certainly are uh, you know solely private sector. So, what about you know the NHS budget is that there are glimmers
0: of green shoots I guess if we can use that phrase again
1: yeah I mean we, you know it's, it's good to see the government putting more money into the NHS I don't think anybody uh, you know would suggest that, that that's a bad thing the problem is it's there are an awful lot of things that need improving um, you know we're already seeing signs and and you know the cynic cynic in me thinks it might be a kind of pre-election move but we're already seeing signs of uh, individual trusts coming under pressure to bring their waiting list down. Now, there's a ton of capacity in the private sector that could be used to do that. Uh, you know, and we're starting to see one or two deals being done around the country. Um, Care UK did one recently down in Plymouth, um, where actually the the NHS is going to start pushing more business back out to the independent sector again. Um, you know, I don't think it's a panacea, you know, but it's 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 certainly a start
0: and so what's going on in the the care sector then because you, you said it was similar but different in terms of the challenges
1: well the the similarity is that you know again the, the care home sector businesses are all aiming themselves towards that private pay market now hmm. um, you know but, but they've had
0: some particular issues haven't they that're probably different to independent healthcare around employee retention could that be fair
1: they have yeah and i think we we're, we're seeing a, I mean some some Frightening employee turnover rates in care home or or domiciliary care businesses, you know, 40, 50, 60% a year employee turnover. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because, you know, an awful lot of, if you think about care staff as a good example, an awful lot of the staff are on the minimum wage, you know, on, on the living wage. And therefore, the care home groups are not just competing with each other, but they're competing with retailers, they're competing with supermarkets. You know, and frankly, care is a vocation. You know, it's a, it's a deeply unpleasant job in in some circumstances. You know, and quite emotionally draining as well. Yes, there are a significant number of people who take on those kind of roles because it is a vocation. They do, you know, get a lot of, um, sort of personal satisfaction out of providing care. But equally, there are you know a significant number of people who need the need the money. They need a job. Sure. So when Aldi or Lidl opens up down the road, you know, offering another pound an hour, that's where your competition comes from if you're a care home business. And it's meaningful. And it's meaningful, exactly. So that's something that they're having to try and get their heads around, you know. And from a a staffing perspective, we've seen a significant increase in, you know, sort of top-level HR directors coming into the sector, big programs around learning and development and employee retention. You know, just, I guess, if you can stem some of the the flow of these people from from you know leaving your business you're saving on agency costs you're saving on you know recruitment costs and uh, yeah there's there's a big drive in that direction for sure how's that affecting
0: the the senior level talent acquisition though?
1: well i think that yeah you know, the hr director is is the big one really i think you know historically hr and the and the people function has probably been seen as you know, the, the personnel department in the sector, you know, a pretty archaic way of seeing it. We're actually with sort of a, a higher level of people director or group HR director coming into the sector. You know, these are people who bring with them knowledge of creating those learning and development programs. You know, how do you grow the leaders of tomorrow and how do you retain your staff, etc. cetera? Um, you know, that, that's been a, a notable sort of, Paradigm shift, you know, to use a cliche over the last uh, over the last couple of years.
0: And where are they coming from, these HR directors? Well, if
1: you think about, I suppose, the bare bones of a care home business, you know, it's a it's a multi site, relatively low margin, high employee, you know, relatively um, sort of low paid employee base. You know, it's akin to a hotel business. It's akin to a certainly akin to a retail business. You know, it's bricks and mortar, and it's a and it's a large number of staff. You know, across the country. So actually, a lot of businesses are turning to those sectors who perhaps are a bit ahead of the curve, or you know, have have some clearer ideas on how to do this stuff. I suppose.
0: Hmm. What What do you think's changed in the last five years historically?
1: I think. The biggest thing that we've seen, certainly in the care home space, is there has been that drive towards the private pay market. And actually, you know frankly, if you're again someone of, of reasonable means who you know, with, a, with a good pension or a, you know, an asset to sell in the form of a home or whatever it might be, there's never been a better time to, to need a, a space in a care home. You know there, there are some really, really fantastic sort of hotel standards. Uh, private pay care homes being developed particularly in the south of england you know predictably um retirement villages is a concept that's really taking off it's huge in the states and and you know has never really been that big over here Mm. all of those types of businesses have really come to the fore in the last few years you know it's the state funded element it's probably 55 percent of the market you know the state funded element which is really struggling you know there are some really innovative and really quite impressive businesses in uh you know in, in that that other sector
0: and given that the sort of current state of the sector it's pretty disruptive there's a lot of change what what's uh, and specifically the independent healthcare market going to look like in the next five years
1: that's it's a tricky one because i think you know we, we keep hearing an awful lot about um businesses going into administration in the care home sector and and certainly the the listed businesses in the private hospital space well, we saw recently
0: didn't we the, the only two weeks ago the was it four seasons yep, it four into administration? Se- yeah administration yeah what that's, happened
1: well essentially what's happened there is four seasons has been private equity owned um and, and was made up of a, a bunch of different care homes predominantly bought during the uh, southern cross crash right. in uh, in 2011 um They've been struggling with a lot of historical debt. I mean, actually, the operating company itself is—it you know—it washes its face. It's profitable. Um, it—it's the historical debt which has really uh, left them in trouble. So I suspect what we'll see with Four Seasons is that with the holding company, which holds all of that debt, being put into administration, the operating company remains free to be sold. Um, you know, and with that being the case, I'd expect them to be to be looking for a new buyer there. Um, you know, the homes remain open, they continue to trade. Uh, it's, it's not quite as bad, I don't think, as the press has made out. Uh, you know, and when you extrapolate that across the sector, it, it's not a rosy picture, to be honest. You know, we're at a point where reforms to the the state-funded end of social care seem inevitable. Um, the government has, has been working on and has promised uh, a green paper into the future of social care in the country. Um, that was due in November last year and, and perhaps predictably has been... Uh, has been postponed um, and, and sort of put back more than once now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm loath to blame everything on Brexit, but I think were it not for the fact that the government is dealing with such a big issue in Brexit, we'd probably have seen some really significant social care and health care reform during this parliament. You know, that's just not going to happen now.
0: How do we compare on that note, or slightly related to that note, mm. to, to our peers in Europe?
1: exceptionally poorly when it comes to social care funding. Um, so the Competition and Markets Authority, um, you know, which, which looks at these kind of things, um, recently wrote a report looking at the care home market and, and, you know, the state of care in this country. You know, if you're a private fee-paying resident in a care home, you're probably paying roughly £850 a week in fees. So you're looking, best part, of £45,000 a year. You know, but in, in exchange, you'd be you know expecting a varied menu, you know, nutritious food, a high standard of care, clean facilities, etc., etc. You know, local authorities are paying on average just over six hundred and twenty pounds a week. Um, that just isn't sustainable. You know, that there, there is an, I suppose, there's an argument to be made that those homes which have both private pay, self funding, you know, and state funded residents you've actually got a direct cross subsidy there where the the self payers are kind of subsidizing or making up for the for the money that the, the state isn't paying um, and is
0: that quite common that you have a, a mix
1: it, it's not uncommon um, i think you know where where we see businesses popping up now and building these sort of custom built you know very fancy homes they're sort of targeting the 100% Self-pay market, private pay market, um, where you have a lot of historical stock, um, you know, and Four Seasons is a good example of this. um, Then you do get that kind of cross pollination, I guess.
0: Right. Tell me some good news in the sector.
1: (laughs) Well, I think the, uh, you know, some of the aforementioned businesses and and dentistry and and veterinary practices are are really interesting to look at at the moment. You know, the uh, there are the emergence or there is there is the emergence of a couple of really uh, impressive looking groups there. You know, uh, Mars has just bought uh, Linnaeus Group in the in the pet sector. You know, they clearly have a much longer term view of, of their uh, involvement in the sector than perhaps a private equity investor might do. You know, they can afford to, to put some real time and energy into to growing those businesses sustainably. Um, and I think we'll, we'll probably see some technology disruption as well over the next five years or so. Um, you know, you'd have heard of Uh, The kind of push doctor and Babylon type apps where they're leveraging uh, video technology to you know theoretically at least kind of smooth out the the primary care pathway and and, you know you can see a GP in 15 minutes as opposed to 15 days in some instances Um, you know they're not the ultimate cure for for the problems of the sector but there are certainly signs that uh, sort of med tech and and, you know some of these new technologies will uh, We'll be able to alleviate some of the pressure.
0: Dan that's really interesting and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. As always to those of you who have joined us thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.